الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فلا وربك لا يؤمنون حتى يحكموك فيما شجر بينهم ثم لا يجدوا في أنفسهم حرجا مما قضيت ويسلموا تسليما وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم لا يدركني زمان ولا تدركوا زمانا لا يتبع فيه العليم ولا يستحيا فيه من الحليم قلوبهم قلوب الأعاجم وألسنتهم ألسنة العرب أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The greatest wealth, the greatest asset that we possess is the wealth of Iman. And according to the normal system of things, a person always acts by the rule of priority. So he has material possessions, he has his life, he has his honor, and he has his iman also. And a person who understands priorities, then he will spend his wealth to protect his life. Because his life is far more important than his wealth, than his material possessions. And if it comes to the crunch, then he'll even spend or give his life to protect his honor. But a mu'min will give everything to protect his iman. His life, his honor, and then material possessions comes very low down the line. If it comes to the aspect of protecting his iman, then he'll give everything to protect his iman. So this is the greatest wealth, the greatest gift that Allah, <coughs> Allah has blessed us with. And this is what we have to guard very jealously protect at every cost and make sure that we finally, with the help of Allah Ta'ala, leave this abode of dunya with this iman intact. Ambiya they emphasized upon their children that Yaqub is on his last moments and he calls his children, who is this in Nabi of Allah Ta'ala? And he is giving them advice, and the first thing he asks them as a question that Mata Abuduna min Badi, and I leave this dunya after I am gone, you are going to be behind still. Who are you going to worship? A Nabi of Allah, Ta'ala, these are children of his who are growing up in the household of a Nabi. And now these are his parting moments. But this is his greatest concern that are you going to remain steadfast on Islam? Are you going to remain steadfast to deen? And eventually, his last advice is, Make sure you pass away in the condition of Iman and Islam. And how would that be? By remaining firm on deen. So this is our greatest asset, our greatest wealth, and this is what we have to protect at every cost. Our Iman, 
the iman of our families, of our children. The other side of this is that when a person unfortunately, Allah forbid, if somebody gives up his iman, this happens on two levels. One is very, very blatantly, very openly. Allah forbid sometimes a person, some jamaat goes and knocks on his door for visiting, and he says, don't come to me again. Nawazubillah, no more Muslim. And the tragic and very heartbreaking thing is that this is not an isolated thing also. So that is one very blatant and open way in which unfortunately sometimes it happens that a person gives up his iman. When this kind of thing happens, it creates shock, it creates alarm in that family, in those who knew him. And people will be phoning and asking also, how do we handle this? Is this person supposed to be ostracized now? Or how do we try to work on him again? And rightly so, this is a very serious thing. Somebody has left his Iman, he's given up his deen, he's rejected Allah Ta'ala. So that alarm and that shock, no matter how serious or how much of shock and alarm may be expressed, that is still little. Because we can never really fathom what a loss has come to him. So this is one level on which this happens, very blatant, very open, very direct, and it creates consternation, creates alarm and shock. But then there's another level that it happens on. And that is the level which is more subtle. It is sometimes as serious as the first, where it takes a person completely out of the fear of Islam. It deprives him totally of his iman. He is no different to some fallen feet out on the streets. But, person, it happens in a very subtle way. Sometimes that person himself doesn't realize what he has done to himself. And he continues as a Muslim in every other facet of life. He might even be sometimes performing his five times salah. He might be going for Hajj and Umrah perhaps every year. And he might be spending huge amounts in charity. He might be doing many other righteous things. But he has lost his Iman in that very, very sometimes subtle way. Sometimes he might know what he's doing, sometimes he doesn't even know what he's doing. And that is the very dangerous thing that is happening, unfortunately, and which we are unaware of. Allah forbid sometimes it's happening under a person's nose in his own home. And he's unaware of it. And this is what great scholar of his time of the recent past, Hazrat Muhammad Sayyid Abdul Hassan Ali Nadwi an internationally acclaimed scholar who was highly regarded in the Indian subcontinent and in the Arab world. He wrote a book titled Riddatun Wala Aba Bakrillah. There is a flood of irtidad, of religion, a flood of people forsaking their iman, of apostasy. But there is no Abu Bakr standing in its way. He was actually referring to that time when after Nabi Sallallahu demise and some people left the fold of Islam or some people refused to give zakat, some people started rejecting some other things and Abu Bakr single-handedly initially stood in the way of this. And then others supported him and he turned this tide across. He turned this tide of irtidad again away and Alhamdulillah he stopped in his tracks. So this was the reference that there is again a flood of irtidad, this religion. But it's happening on a very subtle scale. And this is what he termed as zihni irtidad. What we can 
term as intellectual apostasy. Intellectual apostasy where a person sometimes is not prepared to accept wholeheartedly some fundamentals of deen. Things that have been established directly from the Quran today. And the person has reservations about it. He is not ready to accept it. And these reservations can sometimes lead him to total intidar. And sometimes it will bring him right onto the border of Iman and Kufr. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says that فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتَ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا That Nabi Salaam is being addressed that by Allah Ta'ala is saying فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ Allah Ta'ala is taking the qasam the qasam of your Rabb Allah Ta'ala is taking a qasam in his own name Allah Ta'ala doesn't need to take any qasam but to emphasize the point Allah Ta'ala says لا يؤمنون they are not believers until they make you the arbiter in their disputes if there is a dispute of any sort if they make you the arbiter and ثُمَّ لَا يَلِلُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتِ And then they don't have any reservation, any reservation in their hearts over that which you have decreed, what you've decided, the judgment you have passed. They mustn't have the slightest iota of reservation. When you send them with taslima, and they must wholeheartedly submit to it, then they have iman. Without this, فَلَا يُمِنُونَ They have no iman. Now this was something, yeah, various incidents that have been mentioned regarding the occasion when this ayat was revealed, where there was some issue and there was some kind of arbitration that came up. Nabi Islam passed a judgment and somebody still had some reservation. He was a munafiq. He had some reservation. This ayat came on that occasion. That this person got reservation upon what you have decided. This is a negation of his iman. So that was a specific occasion it happened, but the principle will be till Qiyamah. That whatever has been given to us in the Qur'an Sharif, whatever has been given to us by Rasulullah then there is no reservation whatsoever. There's wholehearted acceptance. And in that wholehearted acceptance, if a person has to part with anything, he'll part with anything, but he won't part with his Iman. Now this is the background in which we have to see what is going on. And this what is going on is very easily understood in the light of occurrences, incidents. One incident, two children were quarreling in a madrasa. So in that quarrel one child called the other baboon. The other child very very calmly retorted that he remarked that so it's a problem. We all are from baboons. Oh no. So the Ustad overheard this, he called them and asked them, what are you up to? What are you talking about? So he said, well, he called me a baboon. So I said, well, everybody is from a baboon. Where did you get this from? The teacher in school told us. Oh no. As the teacher in school told him this, he's growing up with this fiction as fact. And he's very calm about it. He's very composed about saying that, well, this is where he comes from. And this is in direct negation of so many ayats of the Quran. Allah Ta'ala speaks about the creation of Adam Alayhi Salaatu Wasalaam. 
ثم خلقنا النطفة علقة فخلقنا العلقة مضغة فخلقنا المضغة عظاما فكسونا العظام لحما ثم أنشأناه خلقا آخر فتبارك الله أحسن الخالقين this entire ayat is rejected and so many other ayats with it and now he's going to grow up with this in his heart and if it is not corrected in time by chance this ustad overheard it but if this didn't get corrected he'll perform five times salah also with this kufr in his heart and this is something that is happening in a calculated manner one child in grade 3 grade 3 child came home a grade 3 child is coming home with a project what is the project on? he must do a project on his zero can now to get the correct pronunciation at last to people it's spelled in such a different way and now you will learn how to pronounce it first and now this is a grade 3 child now, what is a silo can? so after some when this child came home fortunately the father is an alim so he wanted to know what this is all about why is my child who is in grade 3 has to do a project on a silo can? I don't know about it myself so he did some investigation it turned out that this is the so called start of the evolution theory this is a seed being planted now the grade 3 child has been given a project to do something which is planting the seed of the so-called evolution theory, the fallacy of evolution. Now, at that age, why must this child be doing that project? It's not haphazard. It's calculated. But unfortunately, we take it wholesale. And in any school the child attends, whether it is any other school, or unfortunately, even if it is a Muslim school, but the syllabus will be the same. And these seeds have been planted, even though it is probably being planted unwittingly. Somebody is not realizing what they are doing, what is happening. And if there is a good Islamic background behind, there is some dini advice all the time, this might get corrected inshallah. Otherwise, this child is going to grow up with that. And they sometimes start expressing this later on. There have been incidents, Allah forbid, it's very very heartbreaking to even repeat these things. But recently one father, or grandfather rather, who's one child is some, some, somewhere overseas studying, so it was Ramadan. So he gave him a normal call and in the process Ramadan is coming and fasting etc. So the son now replies, probably it came out of his mouth whether he meant to say it or didn't mean to say it and said it. I don't even know if I believe in these things anymore. Some father took his children, his grandfather took his children to Umrah and the child says, when he says this is the house of the Lord, he says, but the teacher told us the Lord is Jesus Christ. Oh. One child, the Ustad is teaching in the madrasa. Now this is that mindset, the heart, there's a war out there for the hearts and minds of our children. And if we are not alert, then it might be sometimes we'll only realize what happened when it's too late. Now that child, there's a lesson on halal and haram. And in the process, the Ustad mentioned something about music. And Nabi Sallallahu stated very clearly that Bo'istu, I have been sent to break musical instruments. Now this is a grade 5 child or grade 6 child or something. So he's not somebody who's just 5 or 6 years old. He's coming to an age of understanding now. And when he hears this hadith being told to him, what is his immediate reaction? How mean is this? What are we talking about? They are talking about what Allah's Rasul is saying I have been sent for something and here is somebody saying how mean what is he growing up with? Nauzubillah, the Nabi is mean 
and because of that household, what is going on in that house perhaps, what is going on wherever he is getting exposed to something, so music has become a part of his life. So now because this has become a part of his life, like some person is involved in a drug, and that drug has become a part of his life, now somebody tries to snatch it away from him, he says you are mean. Because that drug is his life now. So this music has become the life of this child. And now somebody is trying to snatch it away, he says you are very mean. So this is where the evil becomes good. This is that time when the beast starts to prophesy. That that time will come when people will regard the evil as good and the good as evil. So these are things that are happening and are happening at an alarming scale. There are people expressing their opinions openly. That Nauzubillah, that this just the aspect of whatever is the, though it might not be happening in our country, or many places in the world, but the aspect of cutting the hand of the thief, Nauzubillah, this is barbaric. Now the Quran Sharif says, Person calls himself a Muslim, performs salah regularly, does whatever else in terms of deen, professes to be a Muslim, but he has made a statement of clear kufr. Person who is teaching Muslim children, a woman, openly declares that I don't accept this law of inheritance. That a woman must get, the female will get half the share of the male. I don't accept this. I don't accept what you are talking about the Quran Sharif. Allah has mentioned it clearly. Then what is the point in calling yourself a Muslim also? So this is something happening in a very, very subtle manner and a very, unfortunately, in a, it's increasing by the day. And we have to know where it's coming from. One of the ways it's coming from is this education system. And we have to be very alert about it. Many children are attending schools with a Christian ethos. And by the time the child comes, many a times the child, sometimes parents are finding one Bible hidden in the child's cupboard. By chance they come across it. One child at the time of supper suddenly sat with his hands in front of him and his head bowed. The parents suddenly asked him, what are you doing? So I'm giving grace. He's coming from a house where Salah is being performed, everything is happening, but he's attending a school with the Christian ethos, he's sitting at the table saying grace. Now what is going to be the case of that child's Iman? Where is he going to finish off? So what is this education system? When the British were ruling in India, there was a person very high in the ranks of the British government at that time, some Lord Macaulay, and this is available on some websites, where he made the statement, and he wrote actually, that we cannot conquer these people. We cannot conquer these people, their morals and ethics are very high. Since I've traveled the length and breadth of this country, I've hardly seen a thief. He's talking about before the British corrupted the place. I haven't seen a thief, hardly seen a thief, I've hardly seen a beggar. He says, if you want to, the only way we can conquer these people is by breaking their backbone. And that is by, he called it, replacing their old and ancient education system and changing their culture and spirituality. Now this is what's happening, the complete westernization over time. And he said we will leave behind in this country if, when the time came for them to start leaving. And the writing was on the wall that they can't remain forever. They'll have to leave. He said we will leave this country and we will leave people behind who are Indian in blood and color, but who are English in their views, opinions and ethics. 
their hearts will be something else. Their outward appearance will be whatever they are, but totally their hearts will be totally westernized, Americanized, whatever else you want to call it. Their hearts will be something else. And this is what Rasulullah made dua for protection from. In one dua that the Beast made, and these duas are ta'aleem for the ummah. Allah's Nabi Salaam is making dua. Allahumma la yudrikni zamanun. Ya Allah, let it not be such a time dawns upon me. Now, this is actually a lesson we give to the ummah. That beware of such a time. Allahumma la yudrikni zamanun. Ya Allah, let not such a time dawn upon me. And then addresses the Sahaba in mid-sentence. Wala tudriku zamanun. Oh my Sahaba, may you never see such a time also. And that's what? La yuttaba'u fihil alim. When those who are learned in deen will not be followed. Those who are learned in deen will be relegated to some other situation. A person will do what he pleases. And everybody will be deciding for themselves. A person will go to Mufti Google to find his fatwas. And he says, well, the translations of the Quran are available, translation of hadith is available. Why should I be following anybody? I will do what I want. Why should they be this clergy of the, the monopoly of the clergy? The so-called monopoly of the clergy. Allah's Nabi starts from saying, Ya Allah, save me from ever seeing such a time. That way those who have been blessed with the knowledge of deen will not be followed. People will now cast them aside. And neither will the elders be respected. Person won't know who's his father, who's his uncle. Uncle is a part of anything, he won't even recognize his father also. And respect, haya, shame, modesty, these will all be things of the, for the books. Nabi Salaam says when that time comes, when the hearts, in our terminology, the hearts will be westernized. And the tongues will be Arabic. There will be fluent Arabic flowing from the tongue. But the heart is something else. The heart is passing on a Western philosophy. The heart is giving something that has come from elsewhere. It doesn't come from Makkah Sharif and Madinah Sharif. It has come from London, New York and Paris. So Nabi Islam is seeking protection from such a time. That was a lesson for us. That we have to be super alert. And one of the fundamental things we have to be conscious about is that the education of our children. One is what they are coming back from school with. And the other is their proper dini education. Their dini ta'aleem. Are they attending maktab? Are they getting the full time in maktab? Are we making sure they're getting the full ta'aleem? Are we making sure they're learning their work at home? Otherwise, this is to finish on this, I will start with the Muhammad of At one time, almost some 35, 40 years ago, he was a lecturer in the Rand African University at that time. And he says that at that time, there was an Afrikaans professor who was very highly respected in the circles, government circles and so on, in the African government at that time. And one day he said it by chance. He said, well, this primary maktab system, the madrasa system of yours, when this does not exist anymore in this country, at that time the Muslim community will get left as a business community and a professional community, meaning a Muslim by name. They will no more be a religious community. Mm -hmm. He actually gave out what is the agenda. Allah is the protector of his deen, but this is the agenda that this community must not remain a Muslim community in reality. By name, just as a business community, a professional community, just a social thing, that's fine. But as far as the heart and soul is concerned, must be something else.
So we need to become very conscious of this, very alert about it. What is coming back from our children? What are they learning? We ourselves, the media is one of the things that is used primarily to pump this kind of ideology and to plant those seeds, which Allah forbid, if they are not uprooted, they later germinate in two plants of kufr. So this is something that we have to become very alert about. We take the information and the knowledge from the right sources. We follow those who Allah that are blessed with the correct knowledge and following their guidance, keep ourselves attached to the ulama and the mashayikh, to the work of Dawud and Tabdeer, and inshallah our iman will be protected, our deen will be protected, and we bring this back home as well, so that the iman of our families is also protected. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of qiyamah with iman. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.